Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of Field program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So on today's episode, we are welcoming the first guest to Series 2 of the Hard to Kill podcast, none other than Mr. Owen Livesey. So first and foremost, Owen, massively appreciate you giving us your time today. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Oh, thanks for having us on, mate. <laughs> so first things first, like I'm pretty sure that everyone listening is going to know who you are and will at least have seen you put one person through the fucking floor. But um, can you help us understand like who you are, a little bit about your your background and how you've, you've got to where you are today, mate? Start us off. Yeah, I've just been a, I've been a full-time athlete in one sport for a long time from around 16 years old I left I was living up north uh, moved down south to train judo full time judo was my focus then up till I was about 26 more or less solely judo as well probably the last Four years of my judo career, we started cross-training with Carlson Gracie team down south. Started bringing a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu into it. So I was full-time in judo for around 10 years. In that time, I got six British titles, uh, 10 World Cup medals, four European Cup medals, Commonwealth Games title. Just missed out on qualifying for the Games by literally like a place or two. Then I ended up being a wrestling coach for a rugby club in Hull, Hull KR. Did about a year there, opened my own place at the same time. And now I've started dabbling and competing a bit of grappling and it's going well at the minute you started dabbling yeah <laughs> understatement mate yeah so obviously it goes without saying you've got a wealth of experience not only in training and high performance environments but also competing in them as well you did a post on Instagram probably a couple of months ago that I really liked and massively resonated with that competing is a skill in itself like obviously you could like like me I'm basically a hobbyist these days training is one thing but competing is an entirely different skill set in itself understanding how you respond to high pressure situations and I like your ethos with grappling that all this fantasy shit is great for Instagram and it might work in a gym when you're having a dick about but when you're ball bags at the end of a 20 minutes of only you're only able to fall back on the stuff the meat and potatoes that you really know works how much of what you learn in that judo environment do you still carry with your game today 99 percent. yeah it's um like the results i'm getting at the minute in grappling genuinely is purely 98 percent down to judo and what i've done in the past yeah i've obviously got a massive training background i've done a ridiculous amount of mat time over the 10 years i've been in some really uncomfortable positions in judo been to some crazy countries some crazy training camps got absolutely battered but stuck it out to the point where kind of like to think now like I could be put into more or less any situation within grappling I could be thrown into one of the most high high pressured environments if you like in grappling and I could deal with it pretty easily I think my mindset helps a lot with my performances I think when people get to these big shows you you spar with people in the gym and they're phenomenal and they get to the big shows and they fall apart uh, they have 10 minutes to show what they've got I feel like some people fall to bits on the big stage and I'd like to think that I completely overperform so I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum yeah. um, in training I get caught a lot 
and I'm not even bothered one percent when I do get caught. It's just it's just training. I'm like, like the way I train now is I focus on pushing a pace all the time. So I'm building my condition, I'm doing everything at a fast pace, I'm reacting to things at a fast pace, but I'm also being playful and trying some things and putting myself in bad positions. Literally, if I'm getting caught with something, I'm just tapping and starting again. It doesn't even enter my head. But then when it comes to stepping up and competing, like I've like Frederick Bosgrone will be a place a classic example. Like he came to our gym and did a seminar. We sparred for I think it was a 10 minute round after it and he absolutely battered me. Uh, I couldn't get him off me at all for the whole 10 minutes. And I beat I fought him at Polaris and won pretty comfortably. Like training to me is just mat time now. It's all about improving. Yeah. Second any of it personal. If someone gets the better of me in a round, I'm not thinking, fucking hell, I won't wait to fight them in a competition. In a competition, I completely overperform. And I think I've only learned to use them ner- that nervous energy in the right way over a long time of competing. I've turned it around from going to competitions in the past and being on the opposite end of the spectrum where I've been absolutely battering people in training, turning up to competition and not being able to filter that performance through from training to competition as over a long period of time I'm learning from losing and knowing I've underperformed realising that it doesn't actually matter no one actually cares it's slowly span around to being on the other end now where I'm pretty playful in training but when it comes to competing I'd like to think I'm much much better than I actually am in the gym yeah yeah, 100%. So there's an enormous amount I could draw from that and it, it definitely resonates now and aligns with everything that I like to talk about from a psychological and resilience perspective on social media. There's a couple of things there. Is first, you've overcome that fear of failure by losing a lot and being like, oh, hold on, the world doesn't fucking end. Like, I don't get yeah. my medals taken off when they're right, you're a shit cunt, you can't train it. Like, nothing actually fucking happens when you lose. No. That's the first thing. The second thing is like, we look in, in even how we deliver programming in Hard to Kill, but even how we approach life, there's two distinct phases. There's the discover phase and then there's the, the demonstrate phase and a lot of people try and live in that demonstrate phase where they're trying to be a fucking hero in the gym on the mats on the whenever that whatever they're performing they're trying to set pbs and, and, and kill themselves all the time and if they don't they take it as inherent failure whereas actually the role of training whether it's in the gym or on the mats is it doesn't fucking matter if you get beaten doesn't fucking matter like you, you're there to learn and discover and build new capabilities so that when you get to a performance environment where you're on arduous course promotion carders c- competition mats you can then demonstrate all of the fucking skills that you have um, and it, it falls into the bracket of what we like to call um the infinite game like if you're playing a finite game of trying to win training or win that one round of training, then by definition, you're going to be really fucking volatile because if you get tapped when you don't think you should have been tapped and you fucking throw your toys out of the pram, and we all know people that do it, then you're going to have real psychological demons when it comes to performing on the mats when there's TV cameras there or hundreds of people watching. When you're playing that infinite game of being like, doesn't matter because I'll get better and I'll come back and I'll fucking do the job next time, then it seems like that's what brings that peace of mind. But what specifically I'm interested in is when you spoke about how you deliberately push the pace on the training and mats because it's probably rarely going to be to that same tempo when I actually comes to competition so you know the largely what I want to talk about today was that condition element because you know you've got this reputation now like I said everyone would be familiar with you fucking the highlight reels of putting people through the mats I wanted to make sure we covered off that stuff about the fact I've been training my ass off I've been getting smashed I've been really uncomfortable for 10 years to get to that point because I think sometimes people try and fucking skip that foundational fundamental block but now what I want to talk about is is basically how you've got your conditioning and your strength and conditioning to the point where it is now so help us understand what your week looks like at the moment, mate. What have you got going on? My a typical week for me at the moment is I'll spar six times a week. 
So we spar every day, Monday to Saturday. Some of them rounds are short and intense. Short rounds, for me, will be like five minutes. In that is like, if it's a five-minute round, I'm genuinely trying to push the pace as hard as I can for that five minutes. We'll have a one-minute break in between. We'll do about 10 to 12 of them. And then other times, I'll just literally spar for 45 minutes without a rest. So obviously that... That slows the pace down a little bit, mm. but obviously it's more continuous, uh, kind of hits you in a different way. And the reason I like them rounds as well is after like five or six minutes, your strength element's completely gone out the window. So anywhere you're lacking technically, you'll find out in them rounds. So I spar every day, Monday to Saturday. I lift weights twice a week and I drill twice a week. So I'm doing 10 sessions a week at the moment. Yeah. And how, how are you finding your recoverability from that? Obviously, you know, you've got a high performance background. How are you finding recoverability on 10 sessions a week? Manageable. That's like I've chopped that down. There's been time. Like I've been crazy with my training over the years. Like there's been times where I've been, been hitting like 16 sessions a week. <laughs> and it's just, I can manage that till about four weeks. And what had happened is I'd absolutely smash it out of the water. And then every now and then I'd hit a wall and I generally need like a full week off. Yeah. Which wasn't clever either. So like kind of like chopped it down now and found the balance where I can spar every day, Monday to Saturday, but I'm targeting specific sessions. So like some of them sparring sessions is with some of the blue and purple belts in the club. Mm -hmm. Some of them sparring sessions are with a few different black belts from around the area. Um, so the way I'll do it is if I'm sparring with some blue and belt, blue and purple belts from the club, I am still pushing a pace, but it's more playful, technical, mm -hmm. practicing, trying out some stuff. When I get the better black belts from around the, from around my area, I'm really hitting them rounds hard. So they're like, if you're looking like some people look at a high and low day yeah um, my high sparring will be when I get all these black belts and like going probably 90 to 100% pace trying the things that I'll use competition day Put it, I like putting my legs in sticky positions and really feeling that out and working that out and then when I go with someone like some of the lads I teach and things like that I'll uh, keep the pace but in terms of intensity and physicality it's a little bit lower to bring it down yeah 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 I kind of use my strength sessions as recovery as well a little bit. Yeah, because it's where they're high intensity load, and I would assume it's a different stress. There's no volume being accumulated on your cardiorespiratory system. So I'm very much the same. If I've done a, a hanging session, like a wrestling session, a couple of hours conditioning and then rounds, and then into grappling, my Garmin's like you need three days off, but it's not gonna happen. So the next day you do a lifting session in the morning, and yeah, you're a little bit stiff and sore when you start, but then you actually feel better at the end of it. By the end yeah. of that day, you're pretty much you click pretty much cleared. So yeah, what I'll take away from that is not necessarily the numbers of certain sessions, but I want to give people understanding that you pushed it to probably as high as you possibly could in terms of training load and as a result it became unsustainable you do a four-week block and then you do a four d load and that's something that, that i certainly analyze and observe with and you will as well in your position loads of people come in at sort of the white belt standards and they fall in love with the sport which is great to see but then they smash the ass out of it on the, the, the every single day of the week and they haven't really built that recoverability or that work capacity yet and then after a month or two they're fucking broken souls and then they get this negative relationship with training and they end up falling off and not staying the course and as I was always told at the gym I'm at, it's not about who's best, it's about who's fucking left. So then you've yeah. regressed it a little bit and now you found a training schedule that allows you to be consistent and turn up to a high standard day in, day out for months at end. And I think you yeah. probably agree that's what's seeing this this rapid increase in your performance is, uh, well, not rapid, yeah. this continued increase in performance is because it's consistent. But irrespective of the amount of numbers, that's the underarching philosophy behind it. And then the second thing, obviously, is you have an intent with your training sessions. It's not just go on the mats and, and hope for the best. It's like, okay, this session is designed to be playful and work on actually like skill like skill acquisition and then I'm going to yeah. test that out I'm going to fucking battle test it against a high level belt so that's pretty much yeah. what I've taken away from it so in terms of your strength sessions then how many strength you say you're on two strength sessions a week at the moment two a week yeah 
It's yeah. like I get a lot of questions about the SNC and things, but it just kind of goes back to what you just said again. Like, like this grappling or whatever it is you're doing, combat sports, it's it's a long game. Mm. Like a lot of people that send me messages over Instagram and things, they want like really quick success. Mm. Like, oh, what strength condition do you do? As if if they start doing that, they're gonna get the same result. Mm. Like, mate, my strength conditioning is the absolute bare minimum. I'm lifting weights twice a week. Them weight sessions are probably six to eight exercises for yeah. three to five sets of five reps on each one. Like, but I've done that for like 15 years. Yeah. It's like, it's been built over time. And I think that's one massive thing that people need to get Ed is that like, it's a long game. There's no quick success with this game. It's like, if someone's been doing it properly, training under someone, train under a good coach and consistently following a strength conditioning program, they, over a long period, are going to become really good. Like, there's no secret to that. Mm. But there's a lot of, because I think, I don't know why, but grappling's got super popular really quickly mm. at the moment. I think there's a lot of people looking like, oh, I want to do this straight away. It's like, you've, you've kind of got to earn it first. Yeah. I like that, mate, because obviously, for those oh, listening, man. Owen and I have actually never really spoken in person before fucking ever. So it's not a guided conversation I'm not saying say this that and the other but you've come to the exact same message that I perpetrate on social media which isn't sexy and it doesn't fucking sell and you can't take a magic pill and there's no shiny label on it but you've just got to fucking play the long game and I've always said that you've got to look at okay where's the actual goal the dream the inspiration and the aspiration and reverse engineer and then find ways to enjoy the process you can consistently turn up week in week out and enjoy it for the next fucking 10 years and that's our philosophy as a coach and it probably is at your gym as well is I don't give a shit where you're at the end of the next four weeks the end of the year i'm looking when i work with a person of how can i set them up on a trajectory that means they're going to be at x place in 10 years from today and grappling is probably the epitome of that because you have like from my experience i've only been training for a couple of years there's months maybe maybe a month at a time when i feel like i'm absolutely dog shit because i'm trying to work on something new so i'm putting myself in shit situations and i'm getting smashed every fucking session that i'm in there and there's other times when i've mastered that and like i've fucking worked a new pass and i'm like i'm a fucking boy here and it goes in undulations of peaks and troughs but one of my mentors said to me the other day is like if in doubt zoom out if you're struggling and it's difficult zoom out because it's not even a blip over the grand scheme in the next 10 years so yeah really interested to hear that and it's, it's, it's reaffirming as well like I said we're not rushing you can't be the fucking the best at training or the best at lifting but I think the reality is obviously you know you've got a physical presence built like a brick shit house so people see that and they're like I want to look like that and I want to be able to do that and it's like well hold on mate we're not saying you can't do it but you've got to be realistic and set your expectations about how long it's going to take and yeah. if you want it and you're really committed to doing it then it is definitely possible so inside of those S&C sessions like I've seen obviously on social media doing a lot of sandbag work and stuff like that how, do you find that to be particularly beneficial to the way you like to play the game? Yeah, kind of. Like I do a lot of, I do a bit of sandbag work. I do a lot of grip work. It's what I've just done for a long, long time. Mm. So I'm, yeah, I'm guessing it's beneficial because I've done it for a long time. Um, but it is definitely a mix of strength conditioning work. And I think grappling and wrestling in itself is a massive strength workout. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you wrestling with lads who don't want to be held down and you're squeezing the fuck out of them trying to like get that hip control, it's hard. Like anyone who's done it will yeah. know. Like you finish a session, your hands are shaking, your forearms are fucking burnt out. If you've been playing on the bottom, like your hip flexors and your quads are absolutely fucking shagged. Yeah, <laughs> like there is definitely there is one hundred percent something to grappling strength. Mm. Like, I think one thing like I've had a few people say it recently is like when we lock in that I have like a, almost like a different strength it isn't from weights that mm. I mean like I'd like to think like that's from grappling for a long time yeah but like it's, it's in like complementary exercise like the sandbag stuff 
definitely helps just because it's incorporating a lot of my grip work and I think the grip work especially for the sort of game I play is very very like important for me I play a lot from body lock and then on the ground play a lot of side smash game on the floor as well Um, I depend a lot on my collar ties wrist control so like wrist control is huge for me in more or less every position on the feet and on the floor and I do believe if you can control one wrist in 90% of the positions that you've got a good chance of controlling that position we do sparring in our gym where it's literally wrist control sparring which just rips your forearms to bits and then I think any grip work that I do in the gym helps with that as well. So yeah, I always I've been doing that for a long time, like some sandbag work and some grip work, and I do I do believe it has a good carry over across to me grappling. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I remember a while ago I listened to Joe Rogan podcast and they were talking about Ben Askren. Obviously, Ben Ben Askren's incredible athlete, great wrestler, but he's built like a fucking bag of yogurt. And everyone was saying like you get him in the weights room and he's weak as piss, but then you got him on the mats and you could not, you couldn't hang with him because he was so strong. And I'm an avid believer that sometimes the practices are in advance of the science. The science just hasn't figured out why what's happening is happening. They haven't been able to prove it. But you know, there's there's many people that I train with that don't do a great deal of S&C, which largely body weight stuff or some S&T, but again, one or two sessions a week, but they feel 20 kilos heavier and like they've been deadlifting for 10 years when you actually get into into, into a clinch of them or start grappling with yeah. them. So in terms of conditioning, because again, through you know knowing a lot of people who are, who are new into the sport, one of the biggest things that I see people struggling with is actually the conditioning, the ability to breathe, calm the fuck down and, and have the endurance to go like three fives, five fives. In earlier in your career, because as we've touched on, like you've built an enormous aerobic base and athletic base now, but earlier in your career, what were the kind of things you were doing from a conditioning perspective was it all map based conditioning or was it some like road work some like assault bike work what were the things you were doing earlier in your career to build that aerobic base well I've done a lot of different conditioning so we used to do a quite a bit on a rowing machine so our rowing sessions typically would be things like just your typical Tabata 20 on 10 off 10 times 4 set 30 on 15 off eight times four sets your work periods would be around 70-80% of your effort effort. and then obviously you'd have like one minute rest in between your sets we've done running sessions which would be like 400 metre sprints for a minute in between mat based sessions were we'd incorporate like sprints with grip work with specific judo drills which they call uchikoma basically turning in for techniques without actually finishing them without throwing your partner and then just sparring like it is I think the conditioning side in grappling is a mix of what you do in the gym and what you do on the mat as in obviously the more you can build your technique and build your feel for grappling the more efficient you become in your movement and I think obviously the more efficient you are with your technique the less energy you're burning every time you do a specific technique you start to learn where you can rest on the mat and where you're having to expend energy on the mat so for us it was like we'd always when i was early on i'd spar three times a week and i probably hit conditioning specifically conditioning twice a week as well and again i've done that for a long time so as well as developing my technique and learning where i can and i can't rest and being as efficient as possible i've built this aerobic base over switching things like running mm. the machine like we do some of our running would be like three minutes as far as you could one minute off eight times that'd be one session or four minutes on as far as you could two minutes That's off eight times. <laughs> so yeah they, they were all pretty rough sessions but yeah. over a long period it's accumulated a decent aerobic base yeah yeah 100% and it's really in that same message you can't necessarily cheat it you can't you can't try and pack it all into one week it's got to be like with the end in mind so 
I also want to give people hope though and give people like tangible, actionable action steps, not just walk away and be like, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm going to be shit for 10 years and that is what it is. But like even looking at just breaking it down into maybe like three months blocks of, okay, like what do I really want to work on developing over this three months? What's the shittest part of my game? Is it that I'm weak as piss? In which case, S&C maybe needs to take a priority. Is it that I'm actually really strong, but I'm a bit fucking stiff, out of shape and unfit? In which case, maybe spend some more time on the mats and do some more grappling and some more conditioning stuff. Because for me, certainly like as I've got a little bit, like a tiny bit better with the game, I like to play which is very top dominant i've realized that i can coast quite a lot in grappling rounds and in five minutes you get up and your heart rate still still basically in zone three yeah then you go into a wrestling session and that's just not that's not a possibility especially with the standard in that yeah. room like it's constant like shots and reshots and, and hand fighting and stuff and then that carries over so well it takes out your comfort zone enormously because you can taste blood and you want to fucking throw up in the sessions but then yeah. when you get into your grappling sessions it feels again more comfortable because you're able to be much yeah. more efficient and you feel it in your mind as well you feel you feel the difference when who's done the work and who has because you feel them start to fade away after a couple of minutes of getting squeezed you feel them start to fade away so I would assume even at your level the same is true yeah it's exactly the same mate uh, we do a lot of wrestling in the gym as well and it's not it's not even specifically to make everyone good at wrestling Mm. Um, I just say like if people can build a wrestling pace and like a wrestler's condition and carry that over to grappling and I say grappling visa if you can approach grappling with 70% of the pace you approach wrestling and you learn them places where you can and you can't rest there's hardly a position you can rest in wrestling it's constant threat the reason we wrestle is to make grappling easier so yeah I totally agree with that mate so I I try and make myself feel uncomfortable at least four times a week whether that's sparring or conditioning Uh, and normally when I do that I do I don't even know if it's just a mental thing but I definitely feel a change when I'm sparring it's easier it's a yeah. fine grappling compared to judo and wrestling like judo is very physical as well it's a it's there's much more places you can rest in grappling yeah. than what there is in judo and wrestling so that's another good reason to cross train with things like that even yeah. if you're interested in doing any takedowns at all I'd still recommend it just so you can carry over that pace and that conditioning to grappling 100% and even if you're looking at it from purely the sport perspective again you'll know a lot of white belts who who train you know six months and they're like okay I'm going to do a competition and in the last week before the comp they're like shit I should probably learn some takedowns and it's yeah. like actually if you were if you were training grip fighting wrestling and or judo prior to that comp not only would you be fit you'd also be much more confident in your ability and the skills carry over as well like as you'll know like the holes from judo like on scarf holes and stuff like that and the ability to pin your man uh, and work heavily top pressure from a wrestling base massively carry over into grappling if anything it makes it it gives you more understanding of I'm safe here I can fucking rest or I can chill out yeah. versus like oh, I don't really know if I'm safe or not like where am I so yeah that's probably one of the big takeaways as well certainly I've lived that for experience and it's good to hear you reiterate it fucking 20 years advance of where I will be is the same is still true work off the feet because there is no hiding place there is no resting position um, and then it, you'll find you're able to be more efficient efficient. and a, it's, I, I get what you mean like in a grappling round you're able to almost feel a little bit more venomous even when you're tired you're still like I've got yeah. loads of baggy and I can feel my man starting to get tired so, and yeah. I've got more venom in, in the tank and now I'm going to turn the screw and now I'm going to put it on until eventually it wants me to sub in and like competition as well is a very different pace to training like even if you train hard get to a competition and the stress of it the environment gets better the more experienced you are but it's a different pace in itself like the amount of people that we've seen in the gym at the moment all the new people they're, off, they're training really hard but they go to a competition they come off and they go fucking hell I'm really unfit it's like you're not unfit mate you've done 10 fives on Monday 
and breezed it. You just gassed in five minutes in a competition. That's not because you're unfit. That's everything else that comes with the, the stress of a competition. The anxiety, the pressure, the nerves. So like some of the training we'll do is to like simulate that. We'll do pressure training. So I'll just throw people in the middle. They've got to do like four rounds, one after the other with fresh people. And as much as that's maybe to build, tap into the conditioning a little bit, it's more to build that pressure environment where you feel like absolute shit. They actually get nervous because before I shout go, they know they're now probably failure. Mm. So they actually get that element of nerves in there. They get the stress of when they're sparring with the first person, they're looking over the shoulder and knowing that this person's coming out next. I find that sort of training is like the most similar to a competition environment. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important to tap into as well is it goes back to being uncomfortable uh, because you can get really comfortable in your gym. Like if you're just doing jujitsu and you're just in your gym and you don't cross train, it's like you can get into this routine where you're just rolling. I mean, you're rolling, it's very relaxed. You know what your partner's going to do. He knows what you're going to do. It's like, you've kind of got to make yourself uncomfortable if you're a competitor, I feel. Mm. When you get to that competition, it's just you. Don't matter how good of a mate you've got at the gym. It's just you in the middle. Everyone's watching you. There's this lad who's on, you've never rolled with him before and he's going to come at you 100%. Then you add your nerves to it as well and it's, it's a completely different environment. So I think if you can, you can get as close to that feeling in training as well, it makes competition a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. 100%. And anyone who's listened to this who has done a competition at whatever level will definitely resonate, identify with the nerve side of things. I haven't done a competition about 2019. I remember shitting the bed in a big way. <laughs> and then I had worst case scenario on the mat, five minute round, back off. I was straight back on the mat again. So 10 minutes in the space of 12 minutes, I was absolutely gassed and ball bagged. And again, I knew I was fit going into it. But the adrenaline and the, the, the dump of adrenaline more specifically brings them fucking heavy legs, the dry mouth, your lungs feel like you just can't breathe fast enough. Yeah. Other than like gym specific conditioning like that in terms of conditioned rounds in order to put you in a psychological pressure because obviously we can't influence and affect what as much as we might like to influence what other coaches do in their gym space what would be any advice you'd give to aspiring competitors and grapplers to try and find that discomfort in their own life would you say go to more open mats go and cross train at different gyms what would be the advice you'd give to them mate may i properly push cross training um, but i do think it's got to be done in the right way it's I think it's very, very important. Like, I, I still cross-train now massively. I go to Bradford every Tuesday and train with the lads over there because... I think you've got to put yourself against people you're not used to rolling with. You find out where you're going wrong. You find out what you're getting away with in your own gym. And it can't, like for me, I don't get it anymore. For, but for people who haven't really done cross training that much, they'll be driving to another gym and they'll be fucking nervous. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, they'll be nervous before they go in. It's a new environment. There's 20 lads on the mat who all want to roll with you because you're the fresh person in there. So it kind of gives you that same feel as well. But at the same time, you've got to be like clever with your cross training as in your club's your base like for me your gym is your base so that's where you get your quality work that's where you go to a competition you make some mistakes whether you've won or lost you'd have still made some mistakes and you can take them back into your base and improve them and then practice them in your sparring and then nip out and get some rounds with different people and then bring different things back i think where people go wrong with cross training is that they do it too much. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I'm going to go here Monday and then I'm going to go here Wednesday and I'm going to go here Friday. And it's like, right, now you're just mindlessly sparring. 
and you're not getting any quality working in between. I'll cross train every Tuesday. I'll probably get one problem every Tuesday yeah. and then week. I'm tapping into that problem after Tuesday. And then I'll go next Tuesday. That problem won't happen again, but I'll probably come back with a new one. And so I'm always finding a problem, improving it for the rest of the week. Finding another problem, improving it for the rest of the week. I think at the moment it's crazy. It's like there's some gyms that are like, you're not allowed to cross train, which is just fucking unbelievable. <laughs> goes on with adult. Um, and then there's some places... Not the gyms themselves, but there's some people that are just an open match fucking three times a week, four times a week. And it's like, that's all good, but you're basically just rolling. You're not actually developing anything in between with the people can, that can help you at your gym, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. Because there's so many fucking things that can happen in a round that if you're just leaving it to chance of, I'm going to work on this one thing, you could do 10 rounds back to back and you might actually never pick up that position. Yeah. Um, whereas, like you said, if you've gone away and been tested, I'm a massive advocate and this is how we basically approach life is mining for problems. When everything seems fine and perfect and happy and on top of its game that's when your antenna should be fucking waggling the most like I'm not yeah. seeing something there's a downside somewhere that I've not spotted yet go and yeah. get tested and then bring it back and say right I got arsehole because of this and then then I can obviously work on that fortify it and go back and okay I was able to advance in that position but then he fucking caught me with that go yeah. back and work again and I think you know people always make an idea between grappling sports and life but it's pretty fucking true like if you think everything's hunky dory and perfect if you're interested in consistently getting better and becoming a high performer whether it's in work whether it's in life and training it doesn't fucking matter if you think everything's sweet that's not true that's just not naive and you're not seeing something yeah. go and probe yourself as you've said many times today go and find discomfort and you'll get shown pretty quickly what you've been avoiding or what you've not seen or what's not been tested and you can yeah. fortify that but it's pretty rare to find that mentality mate I speak to a lot of people on a daily basis as part of what I do and it's very rare to find that mentality of someone of your caliber and your standard as well that's genuinely humbling themselves and deliberately going out of their way to get tested and to get probed in for one of the best <laughs> yeah. yeah like the way I think about it is I'd much rather someone catch me in the gym than when they do in a competition Yeah. like I said earlier on I don't care if I get caught in training like I get caught in training it's like straight back up tap hands go again Yeah. I've logged what I've just been caught with and I'm going to work on that this week but you don't do that and then you get to Polaris and you get tapped with that and then that's your fucking fault yeah. do you know what I mean like I'm on Polaris in about, about seven weeks or something like that so I go on Polaris get tapped with something that could have been addressed eight weeks ago yeah. I've only got myself to blame for that do you know what I mean if I've been putting myself out there all the way through making fuck loads of mistakes addressing them and then I go on Polaris and then I get tapped I'm alright with that I can live with that it's like you've done everything mate you've put yourself out there yeah. you've been much better at the st- by the end of this eight week block you're much better than what you was at the beginning you've gone in and it wasn't enough that's fine which then I, then, I think that taps into how I managed to overperform because it's like I genuinely go in there and of course I want to win but I'm not bothered it's like I've done everything I can so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go fucking mental mm. if it's not enough it's not enough like I couldn't have done anything else like yeah. in last, I've lost matches in the past and I know I could have done more and that's that's when it's fucking bad that's when you go home that evening and you're like I could have done this I could have done that and you can't fucking sleep whereas now it's like I can take a loss now because I know everything I'm doing is absolutely bang on yeah and I think that's actually something a lot of people need to experience is rather than bluffing themselves is actually really experienced uh, that horrible taste of I lost because I'd fucking jacked on myself because I'd not worked hard enough and I wasn't being honest with myself in preparations whatever the event whether it's even a fucking promotion at work but you've been fucking skiving about whether it's in a gym event race course promotion whatever be honest with yourself and we use something in the program called the mirror test every day look yourself straight in the mirror did I do everything I needed to do today to the very best of my ability if you're going to bluff yourself and say yes when you know it's a no that's a different fucking problem if you can say yes, yes like you said you can be really comfortable and confident and 
say, I just wasn't the man on the day, but I know what I can do to get better. And then you've got data and you can obviously go away and work on that without being emotionally attached to it. Do you keep a journal at all, like a training journal off the back of, oh, I got caught with this, I want to work on that? Oh, no, mate, no. Like, I, I've written everything down. Like, I've kept journals for 10 years but it's been more like what I need to work on yeah. I don't log like specific people and what they do or anything like that Yeah, just always logged what I need to work on and then say like the other week I struggled passing reverse Delaheva I was stuck in a reverse Delaheva struggled passing so like I'd write that down and then I'd write a few ways that I'm going to start drilling to pass that and gone to the same person the week after and just fucking walked through it so like I've been doing that for a long long time though like I've probably got I must have 15 books that I've I'll probably never even look through ever again. Yeah, but it's but, that process of working out on pen and paper. Yeah. I can identify with that in the moment. Like, you can only work a problem so well when you're really fucking tired. But then when you, it's normally for me in the drive home or when I get in bed and my mind's wearing and I think that was it I needed to fucking put a hook in there or whatever it is yeah. and obviously I journal I even got it with me now like notes off today and I see an enormous amount of value in it so if you were if you were speaking to the people that are listening to this you know many of whom might be in their first couple of years of grappling some might be more advanced and experienced would you recommend that's a practice that you think you've seen a lot of benefit from yeah like the main bit of my journal that I genuinely think I've found massive benefits from is and I've done this for the since I was a kid, like proper kid, like eight years old. When I've been shown something on a session, I write it down. Yeah. Always. Like genuinely, every single technical session that I've ever been on has been written down for like the last 20 years. They're worth a lot of money on eBay right now, that mate. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, mate, I've got stacks of them, but it's like, for me, it's almost like a second revision. Yeah. Like to people in our gym, some people just don't fucking think for themselves. Like yeah. I'll your technique and I know for a fact I'm like right lads good session they leave and it's gone it's just like oh that's a session done tick I've trained on Monday tick if you pulled half of them people up a year down the line and you were like right get a piece of paper now and write down your basic game tell me how you're going to pass close guard half guard knee shield half butterfly reverse delahiva tell me how you're going to pass open guard like some very good people you just fucking won't be able to do it yeah, yeah, yeah like that to me is insane like even like to this day now I did, I'm just over the top with it I think a little bit but like even to this day there's times where I'll just sit down somewhere grab a book and I will literally just write two passes that I use past every position and if I can't do that off the top of my head then there's no fucking chance I'm ever going to be able to do that when I'm blowing out my ass in the middle of them. So I think like you've almost got to revise it like you would at school. You like, just got to know it. It's got to be in there, mate. Because like you've got half a second to be able to make them decisions in a high pressure environment against a really good opponent who's probably going to know a counter to your pass. So you're, it goes on forever. Like you're going to have to have a pass. And you're going to have to anticipate each reaction. And then you're going to have to have a counter to that reaction. Mm. If you can't even write down the first fucking step to pass each position. You've got fucking no chance. Ed, you've got yeah. no chance. So no, I, I buy into that massively. Now. Like you look at any of a, any of a skill and discipline, like you need to be able to do the process, even like a work environment. If you ask someone, okay, how do you do this process at work? They'll know it. And that's what I can do at the fucking eye shot. And that's what I'm bored doing it. So actually knowing it and jujitsu are probably out of all sports is one that most people get massively fucking overwhelmed with. And the first six months are like, there's so much to know. And I don't even know 0.1% of it. So if you've got all these random dots of information in your brain, write it down as a way to make mental models. Then it all yeah. starts to make sense. And that's for me is when I started to see changes. It's actually when I started 
and really hitting the over-under pass because that, that then unlocked guard passing to then progress up the chain to a north-south position. I started to see change in it and I started to be able to figure it out and I knew in my head like what that mental model was. So you know, Eddie Jones says that winning constantly is abnormal. And obviously you've done a lot of winning recently and we can see now because technically it's, it's quote-unquote abnormal behaviour. If you want to be really fucking good at something, then you don't want to be normal. You have to behave in an abnormal way. So writing yeah. stuff down visit it revisit it know it in your fucking sleep like you said we, we work with a lot of people obviously in sort of elite units or law enforcement and they're doing dry drills with a weapon system over and over and over and over and over again so they know where everything is even with their eyes shut they could pull it out and do that job it needs to be the exact same if you want to be good at, at grappling whether that's from a self-defense perspective or a competitive perspective don't rely on thinking oh, i'll figure it out when i get there because you fucking won't you'll shit the bed no. I've been there. it's, it's like it genuinely to be good isn't that enjoyable mm. do you know what i mean where everyone's like ah oh, just enjoy it i enjoy elements but it's not that enjoyable like there's more like of course it'd be absolutely great to just be able to rock up to the gym every day not think about anything and just roll <laughs> that's fun but you, you genuinely you don't get good like that yeah. like there's got to be so much focus into your sparring so much focus outside of your sparring like something doesn't work in sparring then if you genuinely this is only if you genuinely want to be good not a hobbyist mm-hmm. you genuinely want to compete and like go to a high level it it does take over your mind a little bit it's like train you then you've got to revise what what was good what wasn't if something was really bad and you really struggled then you've got to find the solution to that then you've got to try and practice that next time and yeah just constant problem problem solving and it it has to be very over the top yeah for it to start being I mean- even that for hobbyists, as we spoke about before we came online, I've got an event next April that means I can only be a hobbyist until that point and after I'll have a little bit more time and energy back. But even for me, it's only fun if I'm getting better. So the yeah. concept of walking in, fucking flailing about for two hours, three times a week and I'm walking back out is not actually that fun. Like I'm someone who needs structure and needs a purpose yeah. and needs like a longer term, even if it's a, a really longer term goal, like I'm prepared to just progress at a less accelerated rate for the next six months, but still progress. <laughs> if I'm getting arsehole with the same thing week in, week out by the same people, that I'd be like, this is fucking shit. Yeah. It needs to be, even if it's not like, nothing's ever black and white, is it? It's on a continuum. So, you know, if you want to be where you're at, then yeah, it's got to be top end of that. If you want to be a hobbyist, I'd still suggest being middle ground, like yeah. still do some study, like grapple club and that make it so easy easy now to download an instructional fucking watch it in your spare time and it's going to teach you a lot more than fucking netflix or filling with your ass you can get like real simple things like like atos you know the gym atos they have that bjj on demand now i've bought that for our club so i've put that in our group so like it's as easy as i like one of them lads could struggle with something in training. They could click on an app on the phone, type that position and get 15 solutions and pick one from there. Yeah. I mean, it's that easy nowadays to, it's all out there for you now. Yeah. You and that takes where they need to go, to go like, if they're not, if people don't want to comp for whatever reason, so they're not getting exposed, they can get exposed in a hard round in the gym and be like, oh, he ran through my guard and I don't know why. Watch that video and then take yeah. that into your next training session for the next month yeah. and like, fortify that. Like my knee shield was shit and I'm going to work on it. Yeah, Literally that easy nowadays. It's all out there. It's just whether you want it or not. 100%. Yeah, 100%. You can't, you can't force someone, can you? It's like, that's the mistake I made when I first opened the gym. I was like, I had this image in my head where I wanted it to be like where I've just come from in Camberley. And Camberley's like 
it's different. Like everyone's relocated to go to Campbell yeah. because they are all, all obsessed with getting to one place, which is the Olympics. So everyone's just well over the top with everything. Yeah. I tried to bring that in from day one and didn't take into account that 70% might not be that way inclined. <laughs> yeah. Um, 70% working nine to five. I don't really because yeah. they don't want to be at home. <laughs> you just realize like you can't you can't put it into someone. Like yeah. if someone comes up to me and says, I want to do this, then you can be like, right, if you're saying I want to do that, then I'm gonna make you do these specific things which I know are gonna help me to get there. Yeah. But until someone says I want this, then you can't you can't put that on everyone, can you? It's very much the same way that, that that we sort of do business the hard to kill is like if you put your hand up and say, Okay, I want to be part of that and I want to achieve X, Y, and Z, then we'll bring everything to bear. But you've got to want to be here. Like we're not the kind of people who twist your arm and coercion say come on mate you've got to be doing this if you're told you want to do it you should have the drive to be here you should you need leadership and direction education to make it happen for you so yeah it's interesting even totally different worlds totally different sports the same concepts fucking apply the same i've always said this and it's good to hear it from you as well that the same concepts apply you've got to fucking want to be there you've got yeah. to want to put put the work in even when the work doesn't feel fun in fact it very rarely feels fun it feels shit yeah. and boring oh mate so like that's what, like a while ago, about six months ago, I tried to make like a full-time thing in our gym. So like my dream with the gym is the dream, the gym's going fantastic now. Mm. And if it stayed as it was for the next 10 to 20 years, that'd be absolutely fine. But like my big dream with the gym is to like one day be able to have like a pro team. Yeah. We're all competing on the biggest shows, whether that be MMA, grappling or whatever. And we have like a pro training every day, 10 a.m. till mid, uh, half 12. And I do that Monday to Friday. Day. And then I don't have to see them people early morning or evening. And then I'd come all up with strength and conditioning to do around that. So they'd just be training five days a week, two and a half hours every day. And then the little strength conditioning bits on top of that and around it. But about six months ago, like I tried to start this. So I've, I've said like, right, full-time training every morning, every evening. I'll sort your strength conditioning out who wants in. So I've got about 20 people. So they all come and I'm like, right, before we start this, I'm going to tell you the, the truth now. This is going to be fucking shit. It's not like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I, I love it. And I'm like, you love it as it is now. Like, you're a bit like going to work, eating a bit of shit. Can't be asked doing weights tonight, so I won't do it. Oh, I'm going to go and get some rounds at Carlson's, so I'll go in. I was like, once you say I'm full-time, that means, like, you can't text me and say, I'm not going to come to training this morning. I've woke up tired. Like, it doesn't fucking... At that point, it doesn't matter if you're tired. It's like, it's like a job, isn't it? You can't have a day off from work because you're tired. Yeah. One month in, two months in, the amount of drop-offs is just ridiculous because it's just like you can't you can't put it into someone and it it all comes around when you see people like Daisy Fresh where people see the success that these lads are now having and how cool it looks to live on a mat and everyone's like I literally fucking sleep on the mat (laughs) yeah it's like I'd love to do that it's like you fucking wouldn't mate Mm. it's absolutely shit which is why only a handful of people come through Mm. make it to that level like if it was easy everyone would be at that level like it's a it's it's not enjoyable like you've got to train when you're absolutely broken you've got to get out of bed when you're absolutely broken and push to another level again your diet's got to be absolutely bang on you can't just go on the piss whenever you want like you got to be revising beforehand you got to be re- revising after it you got to be traveling you got to have no money it's, it's a shit lifestyle but like 
you can only do it if you really want it. Yeah, exactly. If, if you want that abnormal outcome and you want to be that person on the podium, getting all the wins and the trophies and the silverware and whatever, then you've got to go through the abnormal circumstances, mm-hmm. which is rarely ever. If you look at any walk of life, like no, genuinely nothing worth having is going to come without an enormous amount of pain. Whether it's for our lot, a lot of people want to get into elite units or get like like specialist roles. It's not going to come because the course or the selection criteria is fun. It's going to be minging for at least six months mm-hmm. of your life. It's going to be awful. It's going to break you. But that's the price that you pay. And I've always said this to to our guys and to anyone I speak to really, never compare yourself to someone that you think is mega because you don't know the price it took that was paid in pain to get there. And it might well be, most likely is that the price that they paid in pain is not one you're prepared to or willing to make. So just respect them for what they've achieved and take inspiration away from it. Like a lot of people will listen to you speaking now and they'll take an enormous amount of inspiration about where you've come from, what you've done and what you're now achieving and will go on to achieve. But they probably do not want the pain that you've gone through to achieve it. But you can still take inspiration and say, well, that's what's possible. And if I find myself on that continuum, I'm going to take what we've spoken about today. I'm going to apply that because it's going to make me better. And I'll, I'll have even more respect for guys like yourself. And this is my place within that kind of story. And I want to I get my own version of that. Yeah, that's it, mate. It's just uh, like I've not done anything special. It's just been a long time of, I've given me life to it. Like I've genuinely got, I've got no qualifications or anything outside of this. Like I've genuinely got nothing outside of it. Like from 16 to 25, I was literally, I'm going to Olympic Games and that is it mm. all I literally had in my head after it was because I'm going to put that much into it I've got nothing else I don't know anything else so when I've been to an Olympic Games I'm just probably going to end up coaching judo somewhere like you're not even realistic about what real life's like yeah. you're just like your own little bubble and I still didn't even make it to a fucking Olympic Games <laughs> which shows you how hard it is yeah. Um, so yeah it's just people can genuinely like I fully believe that anyone can get to the top level it's just if you're prepared to pay the price for me them real sacrifices like mm. uh, one thing that is a particular grievance to me like absolutely pisses me off is the amount of people in my space in the health and fitness industry talk about you know getting uncomfortable and, and doing this that, and the other and then I know for a fact that person is being disingenuous because they still live a very comfortable life they've never done anything where they felt vulnerable they've never had to come any overcome any adversity or challenge or real hardship it just sounds good on a Facebook or Instagram post when they're telling oh. somebody drop 10 pounds and I'm like you're full of shit mate yeah. social media mate is just an absolute nightmare at the minute it's just so much absolute bollocks on it yeah like every man and his dog's a coach nowadays you've got you've got people like i think it's a big thing to be a coach you know what i mean it's like it's a real big responsibility like you're changing people's lives and people are trusting you ability to change their lives like i get asked all the time about can i do an eight week this that and the other i'm like mate i've been doing it for 10 years and i still am growing every single day and speaking to new people who know different things and i draw a lot from other walks of life and say if i could learn all this in eight weeks don't you think i would have done it don't you think i'd have taken that fucking course (laughs) it's a long road it's Uh, fucking it's it's bad mate it's like almost i was saying this to someone the other day it's like if you were a cowboy builder or a cowboy electrician you're getting fucking shit for that you know what I mean if you went and did a dodgy job on someone's house you're getting some shit for that you took a load of money off them there's nothing like that in yeah. martial arts it's like if you look the part and you've got a good way of posting on social media people pay you to train them and it's like you don't even know what they're fucking on about <laughs> Been doing it two years themselves, yeah, and you're now putting all your trust and money into them. You've never done anything themselves. It's like that. Put for me, someone that I've got a, I'll only train under someone that's been through the mill. Yeah, you know what I mean, I can look at them. They don't have to have been world champion, but like. I have to be able to look at them and be like, I will fucking graft for him because he's done it himself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
And there's a, just a, at the minute, there's a, it's a very easy income for a lot of people at the minute. It's like people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So you get these people coming in and see some pictures on social media and they hear the bullshit in first conversation. They just fall for it, man. It's, yeah. it's fucking bad to be fair, but I can't see it changing anytime soon either. And, and the reality is that it's partly the fault of, especially the health and fitness industry, because we keep making fucking beautiful idiots famous because they look fucking mega and then they can sell this thing. And I've got my own thoughts and issues about that. But then also, like we, we always gl- like glorify this short-term gratification and the message that both you and I carry that it's a long-term pursuit of mastery is a long and it's unforgiving and it, you have to work on it every single day it isn't sexy and a lot of people don't want to hear it because they're failing to take responsibility for the fact they're not taking control over what they can take control of so they're looking for something that makes them feel mega whether that's fucking spending money on a shit coach and thinking that it's an attendance course could go on about it all day I probably won't open that kind of worms today but yeah it fucking it is something that, that I'm very very aware of and I'd, I have two phones now one that I do my social media posts from and it goes away and another one that has no Instagram no Facebook no nothing because it just is a constant yeah. grievance that I'm like you're full of shit mate like I know for a yeah. fact I know you I know where you live I know where you train I know you mates and you have lived a high life and there's nothing wrong with that you can't help what you're born into whether that's wealth whether it's poverty that's fine oh, yeah. but you also have personal responsibility to be authentic to carry a genuine message and to coach from a place of authenticity not to gob off about leaving your comfort zone and the reality is the most uncomfortable thing you've ever done is a hard leg session in an air conditioned gym shut the fuck up right? <laughs> that's just that's just my perspective on it <laughs> oh man fucking hell. unreal but on that note mate we'll probably fucking wrap it up there speaking about social media where can people find you if they don't already follow you and they want to follow you and, and see your your continued success and growth and evolution where can people find you on social media mate I just say Instagram now mate because my yeah. face got well they both got hacked but I was lucky very lucky to get my Instagram back so I've lost my Facebook yeah. um, but my Instagram is just Owen Livesy mate cool so if you want to follow him there but yeah mate I want to circle back around and say thank you very much for your time today I've enormously enjoyed the conversation probably could have gone on for another few hours to be honest but we'll wrap yeah. up there um, so yeah thank you very much mate no thanks for having us on mate it's been great